to the Skeptic Wire. So this is part B of the Skeptic Wire episode 185. Yes, very good. And we are again recording on the 15th of February. And now we're going to woo-woo to everybody's favorite face-palming, (laughs) head-banging, sigh-heavy, oh my God, part (laughs) of the Skeptic Wire. See, even even, even Harpo is... is excited to be a part of She came over to say hello and say, what's up with this woo-woo tube crap? Say hi, Harpo. So this week, we have a video called Freedom of Speech. Did Noah's Flood really happen? And it's produced by the God TV radio show YouTube channel by a person by the name of Brett Keane, K-E-A-N-E. Now, before we get into the video... Just looking up who this Brett Keane guy was, was interesting. Kind of touches on what we were talking about in episode 185A about the Chapel Hill shooting and the Lars Vilk shooting, uh, attempted shooting in Denmark. This guy, Brett Keane, was one of the first people on YouTube who was releasing videos of an atheist nature for a while, but he was... Basically, from what I was able to glean about this, not exactly the nicest guy. So he was apparently getting banned from YouTube from, and he would like start a new channel or something like that. He would do dock dropping on people and individuals, allegedly. See, that I can really say allegedly about. And if yeah. you don't understand what I'm saying, listener, go back to the previous episode. Uh, allegedly, he plagiarized poems, allegedly or actually contradicted himself about whether he beat his wife or not. And also, he allegedly uh, filed a whole bunch of false DMCAs against other users, mainly because they were critical of him and his videos. So that whole um, Fair Use Act where you can criticize or satirize something, he didn't quite understand. I don't know all the details, but it may be something like that. Or it could just be someone criticized him, so he decided to just drop uh, DCA, DMCA claims against them just to try to shut them up. I don't know. But it is a weird situation because, as I said, he's one of the first people on YouTube posting atheistic videos. Apparently very brusque and not very warm and fuzzy atheist videos. Friendly atheist, this guy was not. But apparently, in approximately 2013, he became a theist and is now pretty obviously Christian. So I don't know this guy's life story. I really, I I tried Googling his name around and I found some things like a friend of his who was still theistic detailed some of the events surrounding when he was starting to produce some more theistically based YouTube videos and stuff. And also tracked some of the issues with the alleged DMCA and wife abuse kind of stuff. Um, I don't know the full story of what is going on, but it is weird to see someone who's apparently such a vocal atheist to the point that they're producing videos and stuff and attacking theism 
in a very anti-theist manner, apparently, has gone from that to producing videos talking about how the the, the flood really happened. Yeah, there. I just did a really quick Google. Yeah. And wow. So even Encyclopedia Dramatica has mm-hmm. a thing about him that is uh, scathing, <laughs> to say the least. It's actually a little disturbing. So yeah. what are some of the things it says in there? Is it anything different from what I said? Um, Brett Keane is a 45-year-old thief, liar, and dead beef white Beating pig-like welfare cheat with a pear-shaped head and a sharpie on mustachio. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy before, which... Apparently, all uh, all he really does is produce these videos. He's right. got a lot of different YouTube channels. Besides the God TV radio thing, there's something like Brett Keen Superstar... Um, he's uh, got a blogspot site. Um, he's on Facebook as Brett Keen or Brett B. Croc TV or something like that. So he's, it seems that a lot of what he does is producing YouTube videos. I don't know if he does that as a, for a living based on trying to get hits and maybe some advertising stuff, or if he is just someone who is on welfare and doesn't have a day job or not. I honestly yeah. don't know. Um, it says that he has vacillated between atheism, Christianity, and has even dabbled in Islam, according to Encyclopedia Dramatica. Big fan of plagiarism. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you. And is suspected of being an alleged wife beater. Uh, just, yeah. Wow. Um, so the- I'm, I'm <laughs> just reading what I'm reading here, and it is Encyclopedia Dramatica, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And cayenne pepper. And ca- yeah. <laughs> um, it really doesn't seem like this guy is... It's an interesting... That, yeah. How do I put this? He's reading this would not incline me to be friendly to him mm-hmm. if I met him on the street. And, and, and also just... If he's wavered so many times back and forth, I don't know how to really phrase this to be polite about it, but I'm not sure, especially listening to his video three times to to kind of get the concepts of what he was talking about. I'm not sure he really has a handle on what either side believes, and that may be why he's vacillating back and forth. Yeah. But uh, we've gone a little bit, a lot into this guy, Brett Keane, just in and of itself, but I needed to give listeners the flavor text of what the context is of what is going on here, where this guy is coming from. And it seems to be a guy who's trying to justify his beliefs by any means necessary and not the most reliable of sources. It seems. Yeah. So we're going to get into this and, and just to tell you about Donna, um, there were some of the, the quote-unquote numbers and facts this guy quotes at the beginning of his YouTube video that I really did try to get into the numbers and say, okay, what is this guy saying and is that true or not? What's what's the real science or whatever? But the last half of the video, in my opinion, just gets a little weird. So it's not going to be so much a specific debunking in the latter half, but more of where what? is this guy's philosophy coming from and does his metaphor – for 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 the Noah's flood and and the explanations of all that, where does this come from and why is he think is it justifiable and what's the broader term? Okay, 
because um, as we were talking about in episode 185A, you get a lot of people who are either atheists or anti-theists who or theists who are really angry at the other point of view. And I think some of that comes through in this. So um, if everybody's ready, if everybody sat down with a nice cup of hot cocoa, except for our Australian listeners who maybe have some iced tea or something like that, because apparently it's really fucking hot there right now. Welcome to Woo Woo Tube for this week. Freedom of speech. Did Noah's flood really happen? Okay, let's listen. Deep breath, Donna. Calm, meditate for 200 years. And I can't do that. <laughs> Here we go. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. Isn't it unusual that atheists claim that it's not possible for the whole world to flood? Time out. No, it's not unusual. In fact, <laughs> it's quite common. <laughs> That's really all I, yeah. I answered his question. <laughs> I, we will get into a little bit more of the details as we go on. But um, yes, it's, it's something we claim. There's some other things that he puts on atheists that is like, wait a minute, who has ever said that? But in general sense, yes, we've generally said it's not possible for the world to flood. And I think we have reasons, which we'll get into in debunking the rest of what he says for the next minute or so. Well, let's move on. I just yeah. wanted to, to, to answer his question. Yes. Well, it was, it was more kind of the, huh, just, just asking questions. And I was just answering questions. <laughs> not possible. We live on a planet that is 90% water. I'm um, officially calling um, bullshit because as I remember... I was going to say shenanigans, but go ahead. Uh, as I remember correctly, 68, 70%. And I'm trying to pull numbers no, out no, of my head. That, that's, that's pretty damn good because I, w I looked on a couple of different websites, including like uh, USGS.gov. And um, according to that... It's 71% of the Earth's surface that is water covered. Okay. So that's an important distinction. So just of the, the, the surface area of the Earth, 70%, give or take, is, is covered in water. The rest is land-based. That does not mean that 90% of the planet is water. Right. Because I, I'm looking around on different sites to just try to get a basic sense of this. I found on universetoday.com an article about what percent of the earth is water. And I'm just going to quote it. Should I do my southern accent? Go for it. Okay. Scientists calculate that the total mass of the oceans on earth is 1.35 times 1018 metric tons. Which is one four thousand four hundredth the total mass of the Earth. In other words, while the oceans cover seventy one percent of the Earth's surface, they only account for point zero two percent of our planet's total mass. So, if you just do the math on just approximately how much water there is on the world, nowhere have we gotten this ninety percent water portion. I was trying to figure out, I, I mean, just, I was able to do the science Googling on percentage of the planet covered and percentage of tonnage based on that. But where he got his 90% water thing, 
I have no idea. I I don't even it's, think it's a mystery. I mean, was he going for the Star Trek uh, ugly bags of mostly water metaphor? That I'm guessing people are mostly water. I don't know. But, but uh, even then, humans are only like 70% water. Yeah, we're kinda, ev- even we're so. We're kind of equal with the Earth, you know? <laughs> and it's just smaller packages. Not, not surface area, because if you're, if the surface area of your body is 70% water, you've got bigger problems than celiac. Yes. <laughs> so, total bullshit on the 90% water. I don't know where he gets it, but in, in any other way you look at it, no, that's not right. So let's move on. And just recently, scientists have discovered an ocean that is 400 miles beneath our feet that could fill our oceans three times over. Excuse me? I need that explained to me? Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm, I'm an anthropologist, um, but I haven't heard the discovery of a new ocean. Of oceans. The only ones that I know about are the ones I learned about in the third grade. <laughs> the, the seven oceans? The- yeah, like... The Arctic Ocean the and the Indian, Indian and the Ocean and Pacific yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, there is some sliver of fact that this came from, but the wording of it is extremely problematic. There have been recent studies about um, scientists approximating how much water they might be trapped in crystalline structures down in the upper lower mantle transition phase of our core. So you've got the crust, crust and then you have the mantle, upper mantle, lower, lower mantle, mantle core. So there is some H2O under the surface of the earth in all that molten mantle kind of stuff going on. The problem is that he says scientists have discovered an ocean that is 400 miles beneath our feet. Now the transition between the upper and lower mantle is about 250 to 400 miles down. Okay. So that's where that's coming from. And there have been articles that have said, if you approximate the process, which I'll get into in a second for the explanation, there's approximately enough water to equal three times the amount of water that's out in the oceans. Okay. So what the real science is, there is a substance called ringwoodite, which is a mineral sounds like something you need like a a, a, a parasite, parasite killer for <laughs> yeah. yeah um or it's a great name for a band i don't know um this mineral when it is under certain high pressures and heat i assume it traps water in its molecular structure it binds with either the hydrogen or the oxygen probably the hydrogen to kind of merge together to either become a new substance cuz now it has it's bonded to the h2o or whatever. And apparently what happens is before recently, scientists have only been able to either create this substance in a lab or it existed in meteorites people have found. Okay. But recently they've discovered like volcanic rock or something that has this ringwoodite that formed down in the mantle. So they, they've assumed that somehow this ringwoodite with its water either becomes ringwoodite or what ringwoodite turns into traps that water and so it must happen down in the core somewhere and they've they've hypothesized that in that kind of transition space between the upper and lower mantle the lower mantle can't have water in it for whatever reasons i don't know the science for that so the water must be lost somehow and trapped by someone else something else which is the ringwoodite okay so they've done 
lab experiments to prove that under the pressures that are consistent with that transition period between the mantles, that water can be trapped by ringlonite and this whole thing can happen. And then they've also paired that information with seismic testing over the entire surface of the United States to say, all right, the conditions of pressure and vibrations that would cause ringwoodite formation, are we sensing that kind of level of vibration down in the core? And they say, yes, we are. And the approximate activity of that, doing all the math, would equal three oceans worth of water. Three total oceans for the entire planet worth of water. So the problematic thing about Keene's phrasing here is it is not a ocean. It is not a pocket of water down beneath the surface of the earth. This is almost kind of like hollow earth level craziness and not understanding of science kind of thing. Right. And it's, it's a superficial reading of actual press releases about three oceans worth of water that's down there. It's any explanation from a theist point of view to say, see, there's enough water. Exactly. That's really all this ha 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 boils down to. Ha ha ha. Gotcha, atheists. <laughs> Well, so there's some fan, fantastic science about that, about how water actually exists down in the mantle where it's really freaking hot and you think it all boil away or whatever, but it has to be there trapped somehow. Right. And there's some ideas that this kind of thinking of the water level of what's down in the earth or whatever, that might contribute to how you figure out how we got surface water on the earth billions of years ago when the earth started forming because most of the usual hypotheses are about, well, a bunch of comets must have landed and given us enough water cumulatively to create all the oceans. But maybe that may be in combination with when the earth formed itself, enough water may have been down mixed in with all the mantle and through the volcanic process, enough water must have come back to the surface that bloop, we have oceans. Yeah. Now keep in mind for something later that all this idea of, Ocean beneath the uh, ocean's worth of water beneath the earth and the ring one night and the tectonic motion, whatever, bringing this up to the surface, whatever. All of that is assuming that we do have a convection system with our mantles and plate tectonics. Okay. I know that was a long explanation, but I felt it necessary to give the actual science, which is fascinating, but also it's going to inform what we're going to come up with very, okay. very soon. So that answers the question that atheists always ask, where did all that water go? If it all flooded, what happened? Okay. Yeah. How did it get from the top of the earth where we are through the 400? Through the earth, through, yeah. Through that mantle and everything else. Well, the problem is the real science says that the water is trapped within kind of crystalline molecule mm -hmm. formations. It's not an ocean. Right, exactly. I so, just... If from his point of view, if he reads it as there's a pocket of water or multiple pockets, fine, beneath the water. earth, that's enough to store water in water form, then the whole biblical Genesis quote of, I, I'm paraphrasing here, I apologize to biblical scholars, but the idea of the earths opened up and water spewed out in fountains or something, that's kind of how Genesis phrases it, that um, kind of a whole bunch of geysers kind of level events of the earth opened up and spewed lots, lots of water in addition to the raining 40 Four. days and 40 nights. Right. So it was a kind of double whammy effect according to the Bible. <laughs> so um, he's ignoring the whole raining 40 days and 40 nights thing. 
So it's just yeah. a giant water park. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's that's that, that's the answer to all the atheists' question of, to him, there's an ocean. And the biblical view is fissures opened up and water came out. And that's okay. how. Okay. So it's it's the having to understand his mistaken his point of view. Versus actual science. Actual science. Yeah. Because there's a big diversion there. So let's... Let's get uh, get on with with more of this flood explanation and how horrible us atheists are. Bill Nye, in his debate with Ken Ham, lied and said that it wasn't possible for it to happen. I have nothing but a facepalm. Yeah, the 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 problem being that the assumption that Bill Nye knows better. Yes. And he deliberately lied because he's part of this conspiracy. It's the big pharma, big science, big yeah. something, cons big atheism conspiracy. But according to this Keen guy in the next segment, he's talking about, he's showing how Bill Nye slipped up and he caught him in a gotcha moment. But one week later, he stated on the news, whenever he was asked about the ice caps, what would happen if they melted? And he said, this is an extremely dangerous situation. He said that if they were to melt, what would happen? Our Earth would flood, and we'd be in serious peril. Now, I don't know how much of this he's actually quoting from Bill Nye versus paraphrasing, but... I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Nye was asked the question, what would happen if all the ice in the entire Earth melted? And he might say, well, that'd be pretty dangerous. What would happen? He might say a phrase like, similar to, there would be lots of flooding and we'd be in serious trouble, peril, whatever you want to say. Yeah, like we're kind of seeing now with climate yeah. change. And from what I, hmm. I... I didn't do full research on this point, so if I get some of these numbers wrong, I do apologize. But over the last hundred years... We've gained one or two degrees centigrade yeah. in, in our atmospheric temperature on average. And we have seen a couple feet rise between one and five or something like that, give or take, in the levels of our oceans because of freshwater melt of the glaciers and stuff like that. Because most of the water on the Earth, like some... 95% of it is trapped is is salt water in the oceans the remaining 5% is 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 only freshwater and most of the freshwater 70% of it about is frozen in ice so if all the glaciers in greenland and the arctic and the antarctic and and all the everything in between the himalayas whatever all of that melted, melted. it would be bad Right. But if you go, there's a, there's a great infographic on nationalgeographic.com that basically shows maps of the earth. If all the ice melted, what would the new coastlines look like? And it quotes things essentially saying along the lines of, if all the ice melted, the seas would rise approximately 216 feet, give or take, say, probably 10 feet or something like that. 216 feet is... Of, of sea level rise would be bad. Right. Like Miami, me, New York, Los Angeles, Angeles. And that's just the United States. Yeah. I mean, we're not counting places like Tokyo. We're not counting places like any, any major coastal city. Yeah. Or, or third world areas that don't have as much flood control protections or right. barriers. Or, or um, Africa. Yes. Because Africa basically only, with the exception of some mountain ranges, Africa is not that much above sea level mm -hmm. because it's basically a step. 
But even the map of Africa on this infographic with 216 feet of sea level rise would still be there. Right. The, there would be portions of it still there. No, but a majority of okay. it. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, you could see like the, the coast would change, but it's only probably the first like hundred or so miles or something of all these coasts. There's still, it'd be like 10% of the coast of the land mass of each continent probably flooding. Because there's lots of areas that's more than 216 16 feet, feet above sea level. So I don't disagree that Bill Nye, who I don't think is lying. Lying implies a personal decision to... An intent to deceive. deceive. Yeah. Whereas Bill Nye disagrees with the flood accounts because he thinks it's impossible for all water to flood for miles and 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 basically bury everything except for uh, himalayas or something like that but there's a difference between him saying that if the ice caps all melted there would be a lot of flooding and that would be a problem just because he uses the word flooding or flood does not mean that equals the biblical account of a flood which is why he's not lying he's not being caught in an, in a, a gotcha moment but this is another one of those situations where it is the language of that he's using to kind of give a shortcut to it would be problematic yeah. versus, well, here's the science. There would right. be a lot of flooding, but it would be bad, but it would not be like extinction level of the earth level right. kind of shit. Because, yeah, I mean, like, like I just pulled it up. So I'm mm -hmm. looking at like Europe. You definitely have parts of England and France and Belgium that are fucked. <laughs> exactly. But like... But um, Czechoslovakia is probably still there. Yeah. Um, Alabama Aus still there. Right. <laughs> Australia is actually not that badly affected. Yeah. So Antarctica uh, is the one that's seriously fucked. Yes. Cause that is almost all water. I think the, the infographic essentially had one half of it is mostly landmass that's ab above sea level, but the other half of Antarctica is all ice sheet for all intents and purposes, ice sheet all the way down to the bedrock. So all of that Antarctic, if it all melted, would be underwater. Not that there's a lot yeah. living there now, but we'd lose all those ice cores. Right. And additionally, South America would be kind of fucked because the mm -hmm. inlets, the Amazon Basin and the Paraguay River Basin. Oh, yeah. That would, would be serious flooding. Yeah. Inlets to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. The Mississippi River area would be kind of fucked. Not severely, but it would be problematic. There'd be a lot worse flooding, that kind of thing. But like Colorado will be, still be there. Pennsylvania, you know, all the interior United States would not be flooded. We'd but be there would okay be floods. Well, we would still be in Texas, which, in my opinion, would not be considered okay. But that's another conversation that's a entirely. Whole other conversation. Yeah. So Bill Nye is not a liar, and we know what the real science is. So let's keep going. We have discovered through history and archaeology as well as pantheology that there are literally bones all over the land of creatures that should have been within the ocean, should have been in the water. We have mountaintops that have whale graveyards and shells. Now some people might say, well, that was plate tectonics. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, okay. No, what he's saying is true that there are basically fossils of seashells and marine creatures right. 
at various levels of land, even some mountains. But but that is human intervention. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Okay, for the most part, coastal peoples who lived on the coast and used fishing. Okay. I as didn't even think about that. Part. Used yeah. fishing as opposed to agriculture mm-hmm. to maintain their society. That's where we see like a lot of this, like in in South America, up the steps of South America, you see fish bones and everything else. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That is because people fished because it was a hell of a lot easier than trying to grow some fucking maize on a fucking mountaintop. <laughs> I see your point. Most uh, w- How I interpreted this was in layers of the earth, there are fossils of marine creatures if you look in mountainous areas or above sea level areas. Right. Because I think what he's saying with derision is you should not be able to find any sort of a marine creature fossilized or otherwise in any layers of land that is in any way, shape, or form above sea level. Right. And what I'm saying is that's bullshit because humans are lazy fucks. No, but we do find marine creature fossils above sea level. Right. We do find that. And it's not all human activity. It's from millions of years ago. So that's that's my point of view. Okay. Especially because he was deriding tectonics. Right. He got into the whole, like, there's an ocean 400 miles beneath the earth kind of thing, which real science is all about the science of tectonics. And yet he's saying, well, tectonics couldn't happen because the reason why we have maybe mountaintops that have marine fossils is because we have the the cycle of the crust of the earth that over billions of years, the crust of the earth does renew very, very, very slowly. But you have areas that may have sprouted from volcanoes at sea level or under the sea, gotten fossils or whatever over millions of years, billions of years, and that land slowly gets pushed to be a continent and continental shelf sort of area, which might meet another continental shelf and push against each other and push up into mountains. Right. That is how the earth works. Right. But he's also claiming that it's through archaeology, which is where I'm taking the the issue. He says... Archaeology has led us to believe that there are these seashells, mm-hmm. which fine, technically, yes. But when an archaeologist is up there looking at, you know, mollusk shells and everything else, mm-hmm. they're looking at it within a human context. Yeah, if, if it's a mollusk shell with a hole poked into it, that's because someone brought it from the beach and made it the jewelry and then got buried right. on a mountaintop. Or they were using it to cut other... Open other Goop, mollusks scrape. and everything. You yeah. know, there's... Ugh. See, we we both saw his derision of science from two different points of view. And from both points of view, he is wrong. He's fucked. And um, also... What is pantheology? pantheology? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this study of multiple religions. That's yeah. all I can... I think that's touching on the idea of, oh, all these cultures have a flood myth. Yeah. Which... When I was a little kid, kind of made some sense to me, kind of the, well, if, if, if all cultures have some sort of supernatural religion and all of them might have some flood stories or something like that, maybe, maybe there's a truth to the flood yeah, story or, or, or there's, it's, it's the, the metaphor of the three blind men and the elephant. One guy touches the leg and thinks, oh, this is a tree. One guy touches the trunk and, oh, this is a snake, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so the idea of seeing one thing from different points of view 
And the, so that's why a lot of theists, especially Christians, saying the, 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 the flood myth must be true because there are other flood myths. Well, they also have a creation myth, an end of the world myth, and most cultures also have a vampire myth. <laughs> so, dragons. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't make dragons real. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's Okay, move so on. when we last left our intrepid anti-hero, he was deriding plate tectonics Tonics. and also uh, talking about how archaeology is proving everything he says. The issue with that, though, is that goes against their argument whenever you say plate tectonics because where do the mountains come from? Where do the hills and all these geographical areas come from okay. they come from Hold the on. water they come from the ocean so any changes within the earth would have had to have been under the pressure and force of that of water so this is just blind ignorance of what plate tectonics and the mountain formation is i may not have any sort of rigorous formal training in science but I know the basic ideas of plate tectonics of what I said. Like you have, I don't know if it's subduction or uh, areas like the Mariana Trench, which are spewing out lava or like the, vo the volcano areas around uh, Hawaii mm -hmm. that is pushing out. And then you have other areas like the Ring of Fire around the Pacific, the coastlines, that is basically plates are moving against each other. So you have this convention, convention current of the mantle underneath the crust, which is moving the crust out from one area towards another area. And then they meet and either one goes under the other or they slide side to side, or they both push up, right. which forms mountains. Mountains do not just sprout up after the water. Right. And whereas I probably have a lesser understanding of plate tectonics because the way that I kind of understand plate tectonics is in more the evolution of animal species. Okay. So allopatric speciation, you have the plates, they move, they form a mountain ridge and it separates a, like a group of animals, like yeah. chimpanzees. So or you got Pangea breaking apart. Right. So you've got pan, you've got chimpanzees on one side of the mountains, you've got chimpanzees on the other side of the mountains. And because they now have new habitats to sort of evolve into, or they're just separate. Yeah. Right. You get into how chimpanzees and bonobos, who are essentially ninety nine percent the same, mm -hmm. but how they come up with their like their differing strategies and everything else because of allopatric speciation. So that's kind of like my understanding <laughs> of it. So it's it's a really kind of weird roundabout. Right. But I even just know even the Earth your... does something, and we have different species. <laughs> even your basic understanding of plate tectonics does not mean that mountains come from the ocean. Right. Because it's a plate versus a plate that's pushed up. Yeah. And you got animals that are separated. Yeah. And I don't really care about how the fucking mountain yeah. is formed. Well, I care about why are bonobos and chimpanzees different? <laughs> the basic example is you have the Indian subcontinent plate pushing up against the Asiatic plate or whatever it's called. And those have been pushing against each other. They slammed into each other billions, millions of years ago, whatever it is, and slowly but surely have been pushing up, up, up yeah. the Himalayas. That's or, where mountains did not sprout up out of the ocean. They were two 
land masses that pushed against each other and are both pushing up rather than one going under the other. Or in my case, having grown up in California, the San Andreas Fault, and yeah. it's like every once in a while and everybody goes, oh, look, it's an earthquake. <laughs> and everybody who's been through one in California goes, eh, it was a four, no worries. Well, Let's move on. <laughs> speaking of earthquakes... Most of our earthquakes come from where? Within our oceans, within our seas. Okay. He does have a point. I will a, give him one point on that and go ahead. I think you have the same point. A lot of earthquakes do happen within the ocean under the, the sub-ocean plates mm -hmm. moving and right. And that's how we get tsunamis and, and blah, 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 whatever. Right. Yes. There's a lot of them that happen under the ocean and a lot of them that we don't see or feel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some of that is, my point was more just a simple math point. 71% of the surface area of the, of the earth is water, water covered. So statistically, even if you had three out of four it, earthquakes should be yes, underwater. Exactly. So even just, even that, that just basic statistics, but you're right in my explanation of like Hawaii versus the ring of fire, where you've got those plates pushing out and pushing in and over and against whatever. A lot of times those continental shelf boundaries are, if not underwater, at coastlines. So he is just wrong because, as you just said, earthquakes sometimes have their source in the San Andreas Fault, which is on land. Yeah. He is just wrong. Water, earth, not all earthquakes happen underwater. Right. A majority of them probably do. But yes, so he is using this complete misunderstanding of how mountains form, where earthquakes come from, and all of that to say plate tectonics is wrong. Thus, the idea that plate tectonics or archaeology problems could bring marine fossils to above sea level or even up into mountains. Well, that therefore must be wrong. Yeah, all of that is wrong <laughs> in in oh, as we have just proven in pretty much every single level okay let's move on so now he's starting to get a little uh, well a little weirder he was trying to push on science here now he gets a little more wooey have you ever noticed that whenever it's about the storm or whenever it's about the rain, animals just seem to have this strange, unusual instinct within them? A Spoiler uh, okay. alert, he doesn't explain what that quote-unquote unusual instinct is. Because I can tell you just from personal experience with five dogs, they don't do anything until it actually thunders. And then they kind of get a little scared and mm -hmm. a little crazy because there's loud noises that yes. they can't explain in their little tiny dog <laughs> heads. And I admit it, my dogs are kind of stupid at times. Yeah. Well, but my dog is very afraid of lightning and thunder to the point yeah. that she is bothered when it's raining outside. She gets shakes and she follows me around. She she has anxiety over it. Right. There have been times when I have noticed her shaking in anxiety. It's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And it's only like an hour later that the thunder and the rain actually comes. So anecdotally, there might be some things going on here. But the way Keen is couching this is that there's this otherworldly sixth sense. Right. It about may not animals. be... Well, it could be uh, the dog's sense of 
barometer change or or something, you know, magnetic or, change. Or the scent of rain or... or right, the ozone smell yeah. of rain. But... Yes. <laughs> we can't verify that. Yeah. There, there's lots of, I like, just, old God. wives, almanac kind of type tales about, oh, if a cow is lying down, that means it's about to rain. Or I've, I, I was looking up some of these things. Uh, if a cat sneezes, it's going to rain. Um, if a bull leads the cows to pasture, expects rain. So a lot of these kind of red sky at night, sailor's delight kind of phrasings or whatever. But all of this is just anecdotal kind of... Um, we remember the hits and forget the misses. So we saw a cat sneeze and then it rained later in the day. <gasps> that must be a correlation. Yeah. But we forget all the times that a cat sneezes or we don't see the cat sneeze and it doesn't rain or, or any of that kind of stuff. We don't see the cat sneeze and it does rain or whatever. I, I was trying to look around for like animals predicting weather that was not like animals predicting the World Cup victories and not. Unfortunately, I was researching this just after Groundhog Day. So there was so much shit about woodchucks and groundhogs predicting the weather, but I found one thing where some scientists tried to show, based on just statistical data of sensors they had on cows on whether they were walking around or sitting or standing or whatever like that, and then just trying to find out what was going on there. Just in a general sense, he was not studying the actual weather prediction thing, but didn't really see any kind of strong correlation between cows lying down and then it raining yeah. or anything like that. So there isn't, and that was even just a basic kind of accidental study of this. There's not real science on animals predicting the weather. So there's all sorts of explanations of if they could, like I have seen my dog be bothered before I knew it was about to rain, but that does not mean that it is a ESP kind of level thing. Yeah. And this seems like what Keen is trying to get to, that there's this magical ability that animals have to predict the weather, where even if they do, that doesn't mean it's supernatural. Right. So, so there's that. <laughs> Theist would tell us that just poofed in there. So, uh, you missed the word that he said, atheists would tell us that it just poofed, that just poofed in there, which is kind of funny when you hear the rest of the sentence. It just appeared there that somehow evolution magically put the ability and senses within an animal to know whenever weather is coming. Okay. Yeah. That sentence is so stupid that I can't <laughs> actually... I think my brain has yeah. locked up and gone, Don't go there! Don't go there! <laughs> Fuck this, I'm going on vacation. So, first of all, he assumes that there's these abilities and senses in animals to... Know whenever weather is coming. Okay, that's not even proved. But the idea that someone who believed in this kind of young earth, flood myth, literal happeningness is accusing atheists and scientists of believing in magic mm -hmm. is just like pot and kettle level right. fucking stupidity. Evolution doesn't <laughs> believe in magic. Evolution yeah. is small steps to a greater yeah. good. If there's a certain level of different detection, we know that different animals have different levels of ability in the five senses. There's right. some animals and bugs that can see in ultraviolet or whatever. Right. My prime example is sharks. Sharks can actually detect on their skin changes in magnetism. Mm -hmm. That's fucking verifiable. Yes. Okay. It's not supernatural. It's right. not evolution doing it by magic. Chick. 
not just poof i'm giving this to sharks because yes. <laughs> i have nothing better to do but someone who believes in noah's flood and literal creation which i don't know if he's a literal creationist or not or young earth or old earth but i, I assume don't... it's safe to assume but the idea that that they're deriding atheism and science he never talks about science it's only atheists who, who he's talking about here but that he's saying that magic is something that is just something to be laughed at where creationism is literally magic, magic. man was made from mud, mud. woman was made from a the rib. rib from a mud guy all the other animals were not even made from mud they were just poofed, poofed. so what the fuck so that's probably <laughs> where he's getting the poof because the animals were poofed so they poofed in with the ability to sense when weather yeah. is coming so here's cousin comes a couple sentences that are just just fuck you so it wouldn't be too unusual for animals to go where they sense that it's going to be safe perhaps within an arc <laughs> sorry yeah um, that, hold on i got it i think i got a hairball now that reminded me so much of the ken ham bill nye debate of well bill there's this book. book yeah oh god i mean the the assumption here is essentially animals have this magical sense to detect weather so animals don't necessarily know between a light summer thunderstorm that's going to take half an hour and then blow through and 40 days and 40 nights worth of rain and geysers opening up. Right. Really? So I want to know. But all this sense of weather would direct all animals all magically to, to go to where it would be safe. They would know where a fucking arc would be. That's just beyond. Yeah. He's trying to prove Noah's flood is science by saying science is bad, but science can prove that science is wrong about Noah's flood. And I don't, I, I know that sentence was very loopy, but I think it actually made sense from his point of view. Science will prove that science is bad. That's science can prove Noah's flood. Okay. I, 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 that seems to be his point of view, which is really confusing. So yeah, they, it's the no, animals know where it's going to be safe, and they know how to find the ark. They're just they know how to find Noah. Go. I've heard some atheists who have stated, "But wait a minute! If the deeps opened up like the Bible says, the ground opened up and water poured from there as well as from the heavens, then why wouldn't the other human beings who were nearby, when they see the water coming up?" Why didn't they just run and jump on the ark? Why didn't they just run for safety? Why didn't they take the opportunity whenever they had chance? That would be the logical, rational thing to do. First of all, I don't think I've ever heard an atheist talk about that way. So beyond that kind of straw man argument that has been the entire thing in this video, assuming there was a Noah and assuming that he had neighbors, maybe they might know about this big boat somewhere, but... People off in, like, Nazareth China? and Babylon and China. What? How are they going to know there's this fucking boat here? It's, like, yeah. 120 cubits long. Nope. It's not world famous. There's no fucking Twitter. He hasn't been <laughs> tweeting out his updates. I mean, I have a friend in no, Chicago no. who's building a fucking house in Las Vegas, and every couple of days we have a tweet update of a picture of how his house is being built. There is nothing of that in biblical times. <laughs> Noah, day one. 
trying to figure out what cubit means. <laughs> Day Did two. You? Delay in shipment from Home Depot of wood. I guess I'll have to continue my plans. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh, it's always fucking Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. The so the, the assumption here is that humans have a survival instinct, and just like the magical animals, even if the magical animals didn't clue them off, once they saw the water rising and all this rain, which they wouldn't know that was going to last for forty days and forty nights, they would run to safety. That doesn't necessarily mean they'd run to an ark. Right. If they started it, to it, see flooding, they might go up a mountain. Up a mountain. The other side of this is is that this is. If you look at, like, the big tsunami that was, what, 12, 15 years ago, where it's coming, people know it, they still could not mm -hmm. escape it. There were some people who just saw the water coming out, and, and they walked towards the beach because it was weird. Right. And then they got fucked over. But even those people who were trying to run away, yes, they got flooded. And, yeah. And it, and, and they the, didn't know to run to an ark. The problem is that's because that, nobody was building it. In yeah, the well, 19. Okay. well, there's no arc in in the, the tsunami area, but also even just the tsunami itself, and also if you assumed that there was an arc, if you assumed there was the lands opening up, if you assumed there was lots and lots of rain that you knew was not going to stop in an hour, none of this is within the worldview experience of anybody in any of these worlds to say that. Oh, I know exactly what ha what to happen when the earth opens up and starts producing water out of nowhere. That's in no one's living experience. There may have been people who've survived tsunamis over the generations or whatever, but tsunamis are rare enough in and of themselves, let alone quote unquote biblical level floods. Nobody knows to what to do with that. It it's like if an uh, alien landed on your lawn tomorrow morning. Yeah. You don't know what to do. I'd be all like, holy fuck! Really? <laughs> you don't know what is the right answer. Do you call the cops? Do you grab your shotgun? Do you go out and shake their hands and make friends? Those are all viable options. You don't know what's going to happen. So this is kind of presuming that people knew that they were going to die in this biblical flood. Yeah. That everybody got the tweet that... Flood is coming, and and like Harold Camping, everybody believed them. Let's let's move on because yeah. I'm I'm looking forward at some of these, and I'm just <laughs> yes. So this is really where he starts to get more into the philosophy. He's done trying to use numbers to prove stuff, except for one later on. But um, this is where he's getting into the philosophy of this is why the flood must have happened and why it's logical to make sense. Okay fascinating even in our modern day people will sit there and move next to riverbeds and oceans and areas where it's known to have hurricanes and typhoons and all kinds of horrible natural disasters some people even move right into areas where they know that tornadoes are going to come through valleys go ahead donna hold on don't I'm hold it in trying to trying to figure out exactly what i want to say there are economic reasons mm -hmm. why people move to those places. Yes. It is all economics. Mm -hmm. It's not fascinating in this mm -hmm. whole ooh, oogie boogie thing. People move to these areas because they're more likely to have arable land. 
it is easier to get water to irrigate your crops. You're if living you're, on the coastline. You can fish. Exactly. Hard to fish when you're 500 miles inland. Once again, going back to Pacific Northwest, the mm -hmm. Native American tribes there, they did not develop agriculture, which is normally seen as an integral process to develop a civilization. They developed their own civilizations around fishing because, once again, and I will say this again, people are fucking lazy. Mm -hmm. If it's easier to fish than to grow a fucking piece of corn on a fucking mountainside, guess what they're going yeah. to do? They're going to fish. Yeah. And he's, he's talking about how <sighs> people would move into the areas where they know tornadoes would come through. Well... First of all, you don't always know exactly where a tornado is going to come. You don't know in 10 years this house in the middle of Oklahoma is going to be destroyed by a tornado. Right. We learned we, that from Twister. We don't have that foresight. <laughs> but even if someone was in a town where tor they know tornadoes are a possibility, one, you have just this human psyche of thinking, well, it's not going to happen to me. And it the other side is, is that you build shelters. Yeah. For this, you have a storm basement mm -hmm. that you can lock up. And even if the rest of your house is wiped off the face of the earth and your possessions are spread for five fucking miles, guess what? You're still safe. And you still have a connection to this place because, as you said, for economic reasons, people may stay in one area for a long time and they're connected to an area. This is their home. They want to stay there with their friends and family nearby. So even if like their house gets blown away, but they're still safe, they're going to rebuild because this is their home. Right. So there's all sorts of reasons. And it's not just that people are stupid. So therefore they would not react to a flood of biblical proportions. They would still run. Yes. So let's, let's see what else this guy is talking about of why, it's important to think about why people would stay living in dangerous areas, which if you think about it, no matter where you live, there's always something in California. There's earthquakes and mudslides in, you know, in the middle of the United States, there's tornadoes and, and maybe the flood of the Mississippi. There's hurricanes on the Gulf Coast. Anywhere you go, there's some sort of natural disaster. You really can't avoid it. Yeah. So why human beings do what they do? Well, hell. That's about as mysterious as trying to think of what God thinks about. That's not uh, a fucking answer. No, it's not. It's uh, why people do that. So therefore the flood. Well, that's just mysterious. It's God works in mysterious ways. No, We actually just answered his fucking question of <laughs> it's economics. Yes. It is a neat economics. Human psychology, is, all of it melded together. And what uh, was, what is interesting is we know Keene's back history of he he may have grown up theistic and then became atheistic and went back to Christianity or something like that. But he's With waffled between the two. Islam on the way. Um, that he was in this very Christian video about the biblical truth is true. He said the word hell. That's kind of like swearing. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're uh, atheists, so fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 but, you know. It, it, he could have at least done an H-E double hockey sticks. I mean, come on. Or heck, or, or well, golly. Gee, golly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that just Gosh kind of. Gosh darn. Besides the fact that he's not actually answering the question that he just set up, he is avoiding it entirely and just saying mysterious, you know, uh, life's mysterious. 
he's just being flippant about it. So he's not really proving anything. He does a lot of this in this video. If he sets up a question and says, well, that's just a mystery of, you know, or, or that kind of thing. Some atheists have actually stated it's not possible to get that many animals on the ark. How is it possible to get the entire world's worth of animals on there? Well, obviously they don't know their math. They don't know anything about nature. I <laughs> I know that we don't get paid to talk, <laughs> but I really have no words on the level of stupidity that I just heard. I, a lot uh, of better people have done the math for us, and I'm sure there's like some Matt Dillahunty, Aaron Raw kind of video out there doing the actual numbers or some spoofy cartoon that some other atheist has done, and there's great stuff out there. The simple fact is the math of getting that many animals, the biomass of that many, just two by two, even if you were assuming kinds and not every species – Where's all the food? Where's all the water? Where's all the shit go? Why do the ant lions not eat? I'm just. Why do the all... lions not eat the bald eagle? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, America. How? I mean, how long? Uh, I, did, I mean, the polar bears had to walk all the way from from the, the Arctic. Arctic, so they had to know like two years in advance that this flood was coming, and just all of that. There's just that he's talking about that. How uh, that he just skips. He, this is the last he mentions about the possibility of miss of fitting that many animals on the ark, and he just kind of glosses over it and says, "Of course it's possible." Yeah. And then he says, "Atheists don't know anything about nature and math. Most atheists are geeks. They're science geeks. They're nerds. We want to know. We, you know, we do the math that says, yeah. okay, you've got a thing that's 120 cubits long and 40 cubits wide, and yeah. it's just an assumption because I really don't remember my my Sunday school whatever stuff. that is. But and even then, as a kid, I was the one going, okay, now an elephant is so big. Yep. And uh, I was as a, a kid. It, uh, ironically enough, in my. Uh, Westside Presbyterian Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey, we had a Noah's Ark pageant where lots and lots of kids were all dressed up as lots and lots of animals. I was a bald eagle. No, I no. was a fucking bald eagle and I did not get eaten by a lion for some reason. Which you should have. Yes. So, I mean, even that just... Uh, it, Unless you we, got we barely, on and got a, subs got, a <laughs> got a prescription for Xanax, we barely fit all these children pretending to be a few different kinds of animals in one fucking church. Yeah, let alone a big old fucking ark uh, that's probably maybe twice as big as that church was. It was a pretty damn big church sanctuary. Anyway, end of rant and end of history lesson of uh, Greg's past. Oh, great! Someone's gonna like Google stalk me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I know you don't always like about, you know, getting Google stalkers and people talking about I you. I just have really you had some weird, weird fans. Yeah. Like, I've I've had a couple of emails yeah. that I just, like... I've ran into a few fans at conventions and kind of, oh, hey, great, here's a button, let's talk, and they're nice people and all that. No one's really kind of stalked me or, like, yeah, well, like, waited at my hotel room to say, hey. Hi, I want to wear your face as a mask. <laughs> Well, yeah, even that. Come on. Yeah, Why don't I get any? Yeah, like I've had I've had a couple of emails to our new Donna at skepticwire dot com that I just have gone. 
Oh, I don't it's get okay. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, hey, guys, Greg at Skepticwire.com. I want groupies. <laughs> anyway. I, actually, mine are usually, you're a woman and you're wrong. I get the... That is... I get a lot of the, you're a woman and you're wrong. That is very disappointing. And I'm sorry you're getting those emails. It happens once in a while. And that goes back to our conversation from part A about how our atheist movement and skeptical movement still has a bunch of misogynists. And that is something we need to fix. When I email them back and say, please explain to me what I said and how I was wrong. They are all like, well, no, you just don't understand. You don't understand how it is. And I'm all like, please explain. And I give them, I give them two chances. And at that point. They go on the band hammer. Wow. So we may have lost some listeners because I'm a girl. I don't know. I'm a woman. I have boobs and a vagina. I, 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 that's uh, if whatever. I, I will say right now, if someone can't handle the fact that you are a woman who knows what they're talking about or just the fact that you're a woman, it's okay if you don't listen to us. We have tens and tens of listeners. <laughs> We're not going to miss one <laughs> asshole. Yeah. So well, let's, let's move we on were, to this, back to this asshole. If you were, we are wrong about actual things, about actual numbers, we have tried to correct ourselves on the yeah. show in the past, and listeners have corrected us, and we welcome that. Yes. This next section of the video, I have no fucking clue where this guy got these number froms, what the fuck he is talking about. Um, this guy is off the deep end. Ha, 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 ha. Talking about Noah's Flood off the deep end. La, 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 la. 85% of the animals that are on this earth, besides ourselves, according to them, allegedly, were animals, too. So that's just him poking fun at atheists for believing that, that we're... humans are animals, too. So that makes me think, this is really the, the sentence that makes me think he's a creationist, young earth creationist, yes. of because the humans whole... are special, they were created separately, They we did not evolve from monkeys thing. Right. So then he is, I am I am proud of my <laughs> my primate yes. great 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 times ex Bonobo cousins yes. chimpanzee cousins that whole thing. Not quite the face ripping thing of chimpanzees, but the rest of it okay. I'm okay with the bonobos and the fantastic yeah. fucking as in fucking fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so he starts in with this 85% of animals are on this earth besides are, ours are are, are okay. 85% of the animals, so he didn't say what the 85% of the animals were, but then he gets into a side comment about poking at atheism. Then he goes back and continues his story while changing it slightly. 85 to 95% of the animals on this earth are water creatures. Creatures that can be found within rivers, lakes, swamps, oceans, seas. We don't have as many mammals on land as that you would imagine. Most of our creatures are already in a water source. So hold on, hold on. I have no clue. He starts out with saying eighty-five percent, then he jumps eighty-five to ninety-five percent. So he thinks the vast, vast, vast majority of animals he or, or just animals. Are water creatures. So anywhere from 5 to 15% are on the land. We don't have as many mammals on the land as you would imagine. Because, and I, I'm, I'm going to give him kind of a point here. Just He goes from all animals to just mammals, most, and I don't know where he's coming right, from. because 
I never, you know, had I not learned about it in books, I never would have imagined a platypus. Okay. Yeah. I will give him that credit of that's an animal that I really wouldn't have imagined because it's just <laughs> this, you know, strange like duck beak and yeah, and it's it's marsupial. the uh, black swan phenomena of you've only seen white swans, so you assume all swans, swans are, are white. white. You assume all creatures are basic farm animals, and then but, this platypus thing sticks up. But I I I have an issue with his math of the fifteen to five percent are only on the earth because. It's, I would assume seventy one percent. Well, I, I, it's I'm trying to delve into this, and I really don't know how to get into it because, okay, at a single cellular level, almost everything is virtually water based. Right, can survive out of water, but needs water to kind of swim and interact, flagellum, all that kind of stuff. Is he talking about ev- everything? Quote animals from that level up. Or is he talking about macro level of multicellular creatures in that there's a heck of a lot of fish? I don't know if he's talking about species versus sheer biomass number of animals. Because if you're taking number of animals, beetles and ants alone outnumber almost everything else. And they're not so much in the water. I mean, there are water... and. And, and, and I, this I, is my confusion of, is he talking about water animals? He talks about water animals in lakes, rivers, swamps, oceans, and seas. But lakes and swamps have semi-terrestrial creatures, rep- like you mentioned, the platypus. Reptiles, uh, like crocodiles and, crocodiles, and otters. Otters. Those are not water-based creatures, but they're not... I mean, they go on land and water, They they, but they're not... They're, water creatures yeah where like, i i they're not fish they're not <laughs> yeah. lobsters yes is he they're uh, not a fucking dolphin so i i i i don't know how to look at that number because speciesation uh, there have been some estimations where they've done some recent studies where they thought there were about 8.7 million different species on earth and they approximated about 6.5 million on land and 2.2 million on the ocean. But that's number of species. I don't know if that's what he was talking about. If he was talking about species, he's dead wrong based on that estimation. Right. But he, he seems to also on this doing the code switching of, oh, I'm going to talk about animals. And then mammals. Mammals. It Mammals very are very but, heavily land. I mean, yes. we have like whales and dolphins, and that's pretty much fucking it. Unless he's talking about otters in lakes. Right. And, but even then, the vast majority of mammals are land-based. Yes. So I, I so this entire section is fuckered up like a football bat? Full of citation needed. And I know that we promised last time we did Woo Woo Tube, we tried to avoid that statement. But this well, is very much... Where did you come from? What is your, how are you proving that? So, but the whole point he's trying to make is, well, since so many water creatures exist, this high percentage, that means there isn't so much that has to fit on the ark. But even if you take all the land creatures, elephants and bears and lions and snakes and all that added up, it still can't fit on a couple football field arc. Exactly. Plus all the food, plus you the know, refuse collection yeah. and blah blah and, blah and blah, then, blah blah. You know, you you have to deal with okay, 
if you're only dealing with kinds, and this was like the Bill Nye argument of, okay, even if you assume just a bear kind and a snake kind or whatever, you can't get the number of diversity of species by in the last 2000 years, 3000 years by doing that math. Plus it's all incestuous. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm going a little long on that bit, but it, I don't know where that's coming from. And that's one of the big problems of this. So that's really where he leaves his trying to quote numbers. Now he gets into the the truth is out there. There's a lot of non-believers as well as God-believers who believe that there are aliens in the universe, that believes that there is more life out there. Stephen Hawking, who is a renowned atheist scientist, does believe in the capacity for our universe to hold life within it. So did Carl Sagan, so did many other greats. So, okay. atheists can believe in aliens, including these well-known anti-atheists Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan. Okay, I'll give him that. We believe in the possibility of right. alien it's, life. We're not saying we are certain that life exists on other planets. Yeah. We are saying that other planets have the capacity to produce life. Have we met that life? Have we found that life? No. And until we do, we are going to go with the idea that if we find... A planet that has water and has habitable zone, habitable yeah. zones, and everything else. That there is a possibility that life could be there. Yeah, we 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 it's will not disagree with that. It's a possibility. Have we found it? <laughs> no. But he just went from saying, "Well, there's all this ark and uh, and all these land animals. They could all fit in the ark." Why did he get into aliens? So let's. I have no idea. Let's, let's get find into out. that. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating about this is that atheists will actually state, Ooh, God can't exist because he's too cruel. He's too mean. How can you say that God is full of love? Time out. So we went from aliens to the God. problem of evil. Right. I don't know anybody who says God can't exist because he's too cruel and he's too mean. I've never... Now... Okay, yeah. I've never heard that particular argument. What I usually hear is, I cannot prove that God exists, and if he is the God of your Bible, he's an asshole. Right. <laughs> it's the, if he's, uh, the problem of evil, is he willing and or, but not able, then he's not omnipotent. If he's, he's able but not willing, then he's an asshole. So, uh, all that kind of stuff. Right, he's of, not omniscient. If he doesn't know that it's happening, he's yeah. not omniscient. If he's neither, then he's not a God. Right. So there's some kind of like there's the moral arguments of the problem of evil that atheists will talk about, but that's not our sole source, as you said, of saying that God is probably, especially the God of the Bible, is very unlikely to exist given the world we live in. Right. But he goes from aliens must exist because atheists also also think that too. Problem of evil. Non sequitur. Well. He seems to tie those all together eventually. Interestingly enough, if a life form were to come to our world and consider us a threat or that what we're doing is dangerous to each other or to life around us, would it be considered cruel for it to defend itself or attack us? Um, my answer is no. Yeah, so he went from, well, 
atheists also think aliens might exist and the problem of evil. So he's saying here that if an alien came to earth and either saw us fighting each other and decided to stop it, or we threatened it with a shotgun, like our, my metaphor from an hour ago about if an alien showed up on your lawn, what would you do about it? Well, he's saying, well, it has the right to defend itself. Okay, sure. And then he he ties that in with the idea of does that alien have the right to intervene, kind of forget the prime directive from Star Trek to say, you guys are fighting too much. You've got Putin trying to, you know, take over Crimea and Iran is trying to get the bomb and Syria is bombing its own people and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to be an overlord. And, and so well, he's saying that I think he's saying that because atheists think that aliens could exist that we should accept that it's a possibility for some superior creature to interfere with our lives. Well, I'm always reminded of, and this was years ago, I was probably a kid and it was probably something like amazing stories or something (laughs) that way where an alien, these aliens came and they invaded earth and they said, you're doing it all wrong. And if you don't stop, we're, we're going to destroy you. And so like all the world leaders get together and they have this big conference and they actually achieve world peace. And the aliens go, no, you don't understand. You're not warlike enough. You guys are peace-loving. Fuck you. Boom. Done. We're <laughs> out of here. Drops mic sort of thing. Right. Like, and destroys the Earth. There is an assumption that an alien coming here would be peace and light. Beneficial and, and, and no better than us. Right. Yeah. Has he not watched Independence Day? Yeah. I, I also, I, I'm a big fan. I'm outing myself as uber nerd here. I'm a big fan of Babylon 5. And one of the... I've not watched it. I loan you the fucking DVDs. It's probably on Netflix, too. Anyway, one of the through stories of that is they talk a lot about religion and spirituality from the point of view of, okay, there's lots of different views. And they talk a lot about in the world of the series how when humans first started making contact with these other creatures like 100 years ago in the timeline... Some of them believed that these other creatures, just because they were more advanced technologically, must be more advanced spiritually and started worshiping the aliens and converting to their religions. We kind of would be stupid that way. But the assumption was busted in this universe of, you know, just because this other species kind of looks like humans. Once we got a hold of their DNA, they're nothing like us. And they don't have necessarily, and their actions showed that they don't necessarily have a moral high ground over everybody else, even if they wear robes and talk all uh, fluidly and, and spiritually or something like that. So just because they come here and attack us does not mean they have moral superiority or they're just defending themselves. They could just be assholes. Yeah. So he's saying it's okay for human, for aliens to be assholes to us. To defend themselves. They state that because of the pollution that humanity derives into the Earth, the Earth itself has its own natural system, like an immune system that fights against that which is a threat to it. So okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta wrap my brain around this for a second. Basically, it's it's Um, first off. I want to say that. Some of these words do not mean what he thinks they mean. Yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously talking off the cuff, and he didn't, like, go back and re-edit it. So saying that humanity derives pollution into the Earth is not right as a sentence. But his general point is 
they being us atheistic science type people saying that we pollute the earth and, and then the earth, earth is striking back striking back somehow it's it's that george carlin joke about you know the earth is going to shake us off like a bad case of fleas or something it's yeah. it's going to defend itself well george carlin was joking he's a comedian he does that so uh, but he's he's basically trying to say in this whole sentence of well there's this problem of evil aliens can defend themselves so therefore the earth can defend itself and has this immune system which is not proven because we're fucking up the earth already. Yeah. The earth is not defending itself for global warming. It may fuck us over as a species over the next couple hundred years, but that doesn't mean the earth is defending itself in a conscious way. We're in the home stretch, people, last minute or so of this video, so oh, stay with us. Thank God. Because <laughs> I can't take this guy much longer. Yeah. Now, some people would argue that the Earth is not alive. It's just simply a playground or a cradle in the center of the universe for man to walk around in. So now we're a geocentrist. Yes. <laughs> That's really all I got yeah. from that. And and some people would argue the Earth is not alive. Well, um, the um, Earth everybody... is not alive. It is not an or super organism defending itself. It doesn't have a brain. It yeah. doesn't have DNA. It doesn't have a nucleus. It doesn't have the properties of living. Yeah. Tigers do not eat zebras. I assume they do because they are our immune system defending ourselves from zebras. Yeah. It's, let's it's, just, we're not, let's yeah. Just, yeah. We are an ecosystem, but we're not an organism. And yeah, we're not at the center of the universe. Sorry, buddy. But the point is, is that would you find nature cruel for cleaning up problems that is bringing a threat or death to it? Would you have a problem with a life form defending itself or a life form that is trying to create that of an experiment and it's being attacked repeatedly or having issue? So see okay. what he does there? He goes from nature to life form. Yeah, he goes from nature defending itself, which is... A bad metaphor, but it's not reality, to a creature defending itself, to a creature that is running an experiment defending its experiment or its experiment attacking it. Like a scientist who's running mice through a lab or, or a maze or something, and either the mice are attacking each other, threatening the scientist's experiment, or the mice jumping out of the maze and trying to bite the experimenter. Basically, that's a pretty transparent metaphor, so that makes it okay for the scientists to kill all the mice. Well, in this, would you find nature cool for cleaning up the problems that is bringing a threat? Or Nature does not understand threat. Nature yeah. does not understand death. Nature is simply trying to create a homeostatic environment. Right. The, the, the universe of an ecosystem is most stable when there is a balance and when things get out of balance it has to correct it for that. gets corrected just by so like yeah. if the deer population comes goes out of control they eat too much of the grass so there's not enough grass the deer start to die off, off and the, it's an automatic balancing but it's not a conscious process which is the right. real it's, big problem it's with actually this called metaphor. the red queen hypothesis yeah <laughs> so he goes from that kind of nature has a balance that kind of goes back into stasis, homeostasis, whatever. Therefore, it, that's the same thing as a animal defending, a zebra defending itself against a lion. Therefore, that's the same thing as a scientist defending itself, itself from against... its experiment. Yeah. Therefore, 
murder is okay of its experiment. Yep. Maybe not being attacked within its own person, but that very creation that it has is being attacked, destroyed, slaughtered. Now, I have not read all my Bible, but God destroyed, allegedly, going back to the whole allegedly argument, allegedly God destroyed humanity because we were morally wicked. And maybe there were battles and stuff like that, but basically we weren't following God's word and law. We weren't being the right type of people. If God was really worried about wars and stuff, forget the whole rainbow promises, no more floods, no more, you know, apocalypses and stuff like that, except for when you get to revelation, which is okay. Contradictory. But anyway, if God really had a problem with mass wars, he didn't seem to do anything about world war two, world war one, the, you know, all the wars we have nowadays, all the children crying. I mean, forget the problem, evil thing. The idea that it's okay for God to destroy creation because the word of the Bible says, because we were bad people, because it was Sodom and Gomorrah level stuff. For a second. And can I see a piece of paper? As opposed to everybody was killing and destroying each other. So I'm not sure where that's coming from. I can't even fucking diagram the sentence. <laughs> I am actually trying to diagram it. All to- right. So a life form, the previous sentence was a life form that is trying to create that of an experiment okay. that is being attacked or repeatedly having issue. Right. Which so, is a sentence. So that life form, which is being attacked by its experiment, then it continues, maybe not being attacked within its own person. Maybe it's... Maybe its person is not being attacked, but the creation it created that is being attacked, comma, destroyed or, or slaughtered. Yeah. I, I, so his, it's, his grammar he's going, is It's really bothered. problematic. Yeah. But he's clearly not right working off a script. Neither are we, but we try to elucidate and go back. I mean, he's trying to do a five, yeah. six minute video. But anyway, so the idea that, well, if an experimenter is being attacked, it's okay to defend itself, but maybe not attacked, but its creation is destroying itself. That is the same justification to quote, defend itself. Okay. So he's putting all these ideas out there saying, well, you know, Hey, could aliens defend themselves? Could an experimenter defend itself? Could a zebra defend itself? This is his conclusion. So what will it do? Would it be considered cruel or would it be considered just? That's a question you're going to have to answer for yourself. Spoiler alert. That's his, that's his conclusion. Not therefore, because it's okay for a scientist to destroy its thing. It's just, eh, you're going to have to think about it yourself. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't consider a lion eating a zebra or an ele- a zebra defending itself from a lion as cruel or just it is what happens. Right. And, and neither is just this, like I was talking earlier about the, the balance of life of grass comes down. So the, so yeah. does the deer population things go back into a balance of, of, of an ecosystem that is not, there's nothing moral about that good or bad. It is just the way the universe is not, a conscious place doing these things, but to take a jump from the cycle of life and, and all that to 
an experimenter with an experiment being attacked with this assumption that the mice are attacking the, the scientists is the same thing as essentially believe people back 3000 years ago being evilly m wicked and immoral and Sodom and Gomorrah or something. Therefore, because they're wicked, that's an attack on God. Therefore it's morally okay for God to attack and kill all humans yep. like Bender from Futurama or something. I just, <sighs> so quick little finish up. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Brett Keen from God TV Radio. Please comment, subscribe, and rate. I don't I think so. I love reading what you guys have to say. Peace out. So Peace that's out, that. bitches. <laughs> Besides <laughs> the fact that the guy has a fucking monotone. Yeah, oh. but all his numbers are wrong. He presents these supposed philosophical arguments and then just leaves them dangling. Where just the argument themselves is weird and just wait a minute what do you mean by that where are you bringing this from how do you make that that logical jump or something that i don't i, I it shows that not everybody who either was an atheist or is an atheist is entirely logical so yeah. i don't i don't know what this guy's old videos were like but a lot of his new videos are very conspiracy type stuff like this, very God stuff like this. Within a couple hours of the Chapel Hill incident that we talked about, episode 185A, he had an hour and a half video up on the Chapel Hill thing. I don't know what the content of it was, but... I don't think I want to know what the content <laughs> was. It's easy for someone like this to just spout out commentary, and he's trying to be pretend that he's logical and scientific and using numbers and facts to prove magic, but he's not doing it very well. No. Nope. So I don't know the quality of what his atheist videos were, but judging by that, he got a lot of commenters and, and that were basically criticizing him. So he felt he had to do DMCA accusations or whatever. He doesn't seem to have a big intellectual background to fall on. Yeah. So, this may not have been the best video explanation of what maybe apologists might say about the flood, but I think it's a snapshot of the average guy saying, well, there was, there's this science report that said there's lots of water in underground Andrew. somewhere. There's oceans. Just, there's oceans. It goes from there's water underground to oceans. Right. Well, uh, some of the science reporting from like natural science or something like that said something along the lines of the total amount of water based on seismic detections of this formation of this mineral could equal about three oceans worth of water. But that does not mean it's concentrated all in one cavern right. a la land of the lost or something. Yeah. It's unfortunate that bad kind of surface level science reporting can lead to stupid shit like this. But besides the fact that he didn't even take like a deeper delve into what the actual science says, he was just making these assumptions and philosophical arguments that didn't necessarily mean anything. In addition, he would go from one side to another to another non sequiturs, straw sort men, of straw men, a little bit of moving the goalpost with his code switching of, oh, animals to mammals. You know, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, exactly. a, there's a, I, I really have nothing else to say <laughs> other than please let's not do another woo woo tube on this guy because yeah. I, 
Well, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm trying to go for variety, not the same woo-woo kind of like – so we did homeopathy and then we did chemtrails and now we're doing a Noah's Arky type thing. Not just religion ones, not just healing crystals or whatever. So I don't know what we're specifically going to do next time for woo-woo tube. But if you listeners have an idea, a suggestion, some about five-minute or so video that you found out there that's got some auditory content, not just visual. Because I, like, I was trying to look up UFOs a month or so ago, and all of it is just silent video of specks in the sky. It's yeah. like, I, I, we can't use that on a podcast. But if you listeners have any ideas of suggestions, feel free to post them on our Facebook page. Email us at Greg or Donna or Gary, three separate email addresses at SkepticWire. And uh, we'll probably include that on the on the show and give you some credit for giving us new content. Sounds great, people. I think that we're going to call episode 185B cooked, done, and out of the oven and yeah. properly chewed up. And eaten like a gazelle so, on the ark. <laughs> So with that, we will make our goodbyes for this week, and we will be talking to you soon. Yep. Hope Gary comes back soon. Hopefully. But you never know. No. All right. Bye, folks. Bye-bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 